Well, good morning and happy Tuesday to you. It's May 2nd. I'm Adam Wright. And you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven at 7 a.m. on this beautiful, beautiful morning. Let's pray together, shall we? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions this day to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it, it is a wonderful day out today. I mean, the sun's shining, the temperatures are gorgeous. Um, say a prayer, though, because it is windy. And yesterday, in part of our listening area, there was a, a terrible, a tragic car accident involving, I, I, I want to say it was upwards of 40 cars, 40 vehicles. And there were fatalities, there were lots of injuries, and it was all from dust blowing across the highway. At least uh, 72 vehicles involved in this accident, six fatalities and multiple injuries. So pray for all those that were part of that accident. Pray for their families who mourn the loss of their loved ones, and pray for the healing of those who are injured, and pray for the doctors. You know, pray for them. Today on the show, we will continue talking about uh, Marian apparitions with Doug Berry. And then uh, Father Kirby is going to have some thoughts on why First Friday. Don't forget that this Friday is a First Friday and Saturday is a First Saturday. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. That's all ahead on the show. But before we go to any of that, let's go now to Mike Roberts for today's Saint of the Day. Today is the feast day of St. Athanasius. Bishop of Alexandria and Doctor of the Church. Born into a Christian family late in the third century in Alexandria, Egypt, he may have been of Greek descent. After becoming secretary for Alexander, Bishop of Alexandria, he made the decision to become a priest and eventually was named Bishop himself. Like his predecessor, Athanasius was a staunch opponent of the Arian heresy and was present at the Council of Nicaea when the Nicene Creed was first adopted. Arius, the chief proponent of Arianism, and the priests supporting him were condemned, but they continued to preach their heresy, winning the support of Emperor Constantine, who exiled Athanasius to northern Gaul. This would be the start of a long battle for Athanasius as he defended the divinity of Christ five times. He was sent into exile for opposing those who said Jesus was not divine, but he never relented. In the Eastern Church, he is considered the father of orthodoxy and was the first person to identify the 27 books of the New Testament. His biography, The Life of St. Anthony, was fundamental to the establishment of monastic life. He died on this day in 373 after consecrating his successor. St. Athanasius, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. 
Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We are talking with Doug Barry about Marian apparitions of the past 100 years. Yesterday, we spoke about Our Lady of Fatima and the important message of praying your rosary every day. Doug, today we're talking about Our Lady of All Nations, which if I'm being honest, I have to say this is an apparition I do not know too much about. Mm. This is an apparition that kind of comes out of left field for people, anybody who's really paid any attention to Marian apparitions. You know, we know about Fatima, we know about Our Lady of Guadalupe, 1531, we hear of Our Lady of La Salette, you know, we hear of these really very prominent ones. Our Lady of Lourdes is a powerful one. But in the last hundred years, there's a consistency to Our Lady's messages. And again, I speak of the church-approved apparitions. I have nothing against some of the others out there that are still being investigated, but obviously the church-approved ones are the ones we are safest to always lean on. And Our Lady of All Nations is something that a lot of people don't know a lot about. It has an interesting connection to another very famous apparition as well. But Our Lady of All Nations took place in starting around 1945, late 40s into the early 50s. And this woman, Ida Perdeman, in Amsterdam, received hundreds of messages from Our Lady and Our Lord. Now, in essence, we're just going to boil it down to one key point here. Well, before I do that, I'll say this. Ida Perdeman was just a very matter-of-fact woman, from what they say. She was not a, an emotional drama queen. She was not someone seeking attention. She didn't have much for social media platform back then. In fact, nobody did. Okay, so this was a time, you're talking 1945-ish, you know, we had just come out of World War II, and this woman in Amsterdam is just visiting one day with a priest and some others there in the room, and she just goes into this moment. And this is really the beginning of this transformation that starts to take place for her. And the spiritual moment that happens to her where Our Lady appears to her culminates in, again, hundreds of apparitions and messages overall. And it amounts to this, that if the world does not respond to a call for conversion, the world will face a cataclysmic event worse than the war you just experienced. Okay, so they just came out of World War II. No one in their right mind could even fathom the idea that there would be another event worse than World War II. This was by far the worst war we had ever experienced in the world. Concentration camps to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the invention of the jet, uh, jet propulsion, which, you know, fighter jets, all of this was just magnificently, overwhelmingly scary. So to hear this message, that a cataclysmic event worse than this. Now, other points came out too. At one point in a vision, she sees a crack in the earth that splits from the Middle East and goes around the entire earth, which years later, many believe is this the rise in terrorism. Just as of recent, we saw what happened in the church on Pentecost in Nigeria. These types of things where 50 or more of our Catholic brothers and sisters lost their lives and the priest was kidnapped. She sees these images back in the late 40s, early 50s that are shown to her, arise in natural disasters, arise in different areas of wars where these things would again continue to rise up because it would all be people departing from God's grace. So Ida Perdeman and Our Lady of All Nations, all about warning once again from Our Lady. So as we talked about Fatima last time, we're talking about many years later, she comes again and says to the world once again, if you do not respond to my call, again, pray the rosary, get to confession, be faithful to my son, you will find yourself in even more cataclysmic events. I think of the pop song that says you can go your own way, and certainly we can, but 
Right. Our Lady is definitely telling us if you go your own way and not God's way, you're not going to like what happens next. And, you know, we can't take these Marian apparitions, it sounds like, on an individual basis. Our Lady of Fatima tells us of the end of World War I, but warns us of World War II. Mm-hmm. We can't imagine anything worse than World War II. And here comes Our Lady of All Nations right. saying, no, it can be worse if you don't convert. So a very serious message yeah. for us today. And Doug, it sounds like, again, that great tool for conversion, the mm-hmm. daily rosary. That's it. It all boils down to that. Again, I got to emphasize, I don't care how you feel. I pray it every day. I don't always feel that ah, moment. We don't always get that. In fact, rarely do we. That doesn't matter. Pray it because it is a powerful spiritual weapon in the hands of Our Lady, and God uses it to fight against evil, and that's something we all need to be engaged in. All right, Doug Barry, thanks for this wonderful conversation on Our Lady of All Nations. I look forward to continuing tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks, Adam. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I always enjoy the chance to catch up with Father Jeffrey Kirby, a priest out of South Carolina at Our Lady of Grace Parish. Father, good morning. Adam, it's good to be on the show. Father, it seems without fail, every time you and I talk, at some point we mention the treasury of devotions that we have access to through the church. And there are some very beautiful devotions. And this week, we are reminded of two of those, our First Friday devotions to the Sacred Heart of Our Lord and our First Saturday devotions to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I wonder, you know, with all the words that have been said and could be said, why are these devotions important to you? Yes, yes. so I'll say this, Adam. Uh, early on in my own discipleship from high school, I just remember being so fascinated and captivated by the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, every time I look at the image, uh, no matter what you know version it might be, just you know, with with the heart being so exposed, and, and oftentimes the Lord's pointing to it. And, and just seeing the the fire in the heart, and, and oftentimes there's a crown of thorns around it, and, and so on. I'm just very moved by such a blatant act of love and compassion and kindness. So in, in my own discipleship, I, I, I just find, I found myself drawn to it. And, and as a priest, it was a no-brainer that I would celebrate First Friday Masses. So if I was at a parish where the other priests had Mass on the First Friday, or when I was in diocesan work with vocations, if, if I was somewhere, um, sometimes it had to be a private Mass, but I always made sure that I celebrated Mass on the first Friday, because as the Lord said to St. Mark and Mary, look at this heart that so burns with a love for humanity. And then he said, but is such the recipient of ingratitude and indifference. And I've always felt just very provoked by that, where it's like, well, if the Lord's showing me such abundant love, I have to reciprocate. I, I, I I have to accept this love and then try to love him back and love my neighbor in him. So I've always just found the Sacred Heart very encouraging, uh, warm, and and kind of an inspiration in terms of of my own living out of of the way of the Lord Jesus. I have an image of the Sacred Heart hanging directly across from my desk as I sit in the studio. I'm privileged to be able to look at this image of our Lord holding out his heart. And every time I reflect upon it, you know, whether I'm having a, a hard moment in the day or a joyful moment in the day, 
moment of consternation. What are we going to do on the radio show? How are we going to do it? I look up, and there I see the eyes of our Lord looking at me, and he's holding out his heart as if to say, Adam, this is for you. And it's a great comfort to me. And the flip side of that, Father, though, is I, I am often found asking myself, Adam, what are you offering him? You know, he's offering his heart to you. What are you offering him? Amen. And I know we pray not just in honor of the Sacred Heart on First Fridays, but this is a big responsibility. We also pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart. And sometimes I think we, we say to ourselves, well, why do I have to do that? If I don't sin against the Sacred Heart, why do I have to offer works of reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart? Yes, yes, and I, I would say, first of all, God bless the person who can honestly say that that they don't commit some sin against the Sacred Heart. <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it's our fallen lot that we're going to uh, naturally commit some type of sin, either because we, we neglect His compassion or we presume His mercy or uh, whatever sin it might be. But, but but more universally, of course, we we offer that reparation, we're called off that reparation, privileged to participate in having the authority to offer reparation. Because of the sins, the greater sins, the, the universal sins against the Sacred Heart. So, you know, oftentimes I, I think, you know, in terms of what we've done uh, with the vulnerable and the weak, I, I think of oftentimes the fact that we live in a nation with legalized abortion. I think of what we've done in terms of marriage, whether it's you know, no fault divorce, whether it's cohabitation, whether it's uh, that that that's legal in our country, you know, and, and the list goes on. And and I just think, you know, Lord have mercy on us. Like, Grant us the graces of, of, of conversion. Please help us. And then, as you mentioned, Adam, like to, to offer prayer, and of course, adoration is particularly encouraged on, on the first Friday, to offer our prayers, our supplications, our, our holy tears, in order that you know the Lord might know that there are some who love Him, and we will make the reparation for those who grievously offend Him. If I could just bring in a, a biblical image of this, you know, the, the prophet Ezekiel tells us that, you know, when things had gotten very bad and God's people were so obstinate, so difficult, and, and so rebellious, before God allowed the angels to work through the Babylonians and destroying the southern kingdom and, and, and the city of Jerusalem and, and desecrating his holy temple, God allowing this, before he did so, he told the angels, go out and find the ones who shed holy tears who are grieving the sins of my people, and mark them, mark their foreheads, for they will be spared. Now, Adam, that's a powerful image. Drawn right from the Scriptures, I think very much applies to the first Friday. Find the ones who know the sins of their age and are grieving with holy tears the sins of God's people. And that's what we're called to do on first Friday, to, to come before the Sacred Heart as God's people and to say we repent for our own sins, there's no self-righteousness here. Right. <laughs> First, our own sins, and then for the sins of humanity against the love and the mercy of God. Now, when we talk about reparation, I find it's very easy, Father, for you and I to be here on the radio and say we, we are to pray in reparation for and do works in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart. But sometimes we kind of jump over what exactly that means to do a work of reparation. So I know for us, Friday morning, when we do the show— we have a prayer of reparation that we pray that I, I think is very moving. It's very powerful. It talks about all of these sins against the Sacred Heart that we grieve. But then as I leave the studio after we pray that prayer, or as our listeners leave church after making their first Friday devotion at Mass, what does reparation look like practically? Yes, yes. And, and 
First, just to remind uh, all fellow Christians that Friday itself, every Friday, should be some type of day of of, of penance, as, as we've talked about on previous shows. But in terms of the first Friday, what could it look like? It could involve skipping a meal or avoiding a dessert or, you know, friends are getting together on that Friday night for a party or a get-together and absenting yourself from, you know, that type of uh, secular uh, fellowship. Uh, it, it could be, you know, as broad or as a specific as uh, the person feels called to. So again, fasting or abstaining from from good things, whether that's saying I'm not going to have a dessert, or whether it's, you know, saying okay, <laughs> today I'm going to really, really follow the speed limit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and you know something as simple as that, like just just following, you know, a specific act of goodness. Uh, so it can be all over the place, and and of course it can be taking on things such as the Stations of the Cross or praying the Sorrowful Mysteries of the Rosary. The Divine Mercy Chaplet, I have found a beautiful complementarity between the Sacred Heart and the Divine Mercy. So really, Adam could be as broad or as specific as, as someone feels called to. I think Christian families can be involved with that. So the praying of the Mercy Chaplet, or perhaps a decade, or all of the Sorrowful Mysteries of the family. Or maybe it's having a simple meal that night. So, you know, we're just going to have some simple soup and, and some bread and, and teach the children of the family. This is because, like... We're, we're in a sinful race, right? We're, we're in a sinful people. Like We're showing God how much we love Him. So, again, there, there are so many variations uh, within, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the treasury of the spiritual life of the Church. Um, those are just few, a few that come that are off the top of my head. Well, I think that's a, a great uh, list right there that gives us a lot of good ideas for what we can do this coming Friday. Now, Father, we're, we're quickly running out of time, but I do want to get to one last question on our First Friday and First Saturday devotions. And we talk about where they come from, and the First Friday devotion comes from the apparitions of our Lord to St. Margaret Mary Alico, and the First Saturday devotions coming to us through the children at Fatima from the apparitions of the Blessed Mother. And in both of those instances, whether it's our Lord to St. Margaret Mary Alico or the Blessed Mother to the children at Fatima, promises are made that if you do these things that, that I am asking of you, if you keep these nine consecutive First Fridays, if you keep these five consecutive First Saturdays, you will receive these graces. And sometimes I, I think we all fall into that trap at one point in our lives that we look at this as transactional in nature, that, okay, if, if I do this, you'll do that. And, you know, kind of like going to the store. If I give you money, you'll let me take the groceries out of the store. But I wonder if this is more the promise that my piano teacher made to me, that, Adam, if you practice every day, you will end up being better at playing the piano. And so flip side of that, blessed mother to us, Adam, if you practice this, every day and every first Saturday. You're going to be in a really good spiritual place where, of course, I'm going to be interceding for you, and of course you're going to receive these graces. I wonder if you could share a few words on that idea. Yes, Adam, I think that's exactly uh, the, the way we want to understand this, that that these devotions given to us by our Lord and Our Lady are, are meant to mold and, and shape and fashion our hearts so that then we're able to do what we're called to, to do, to live as we're called to live as the children of God. So I think that these devotions are given, again, as great consolations and encouragement to us to really just live the Christian way of life. Every private revelation simply emphasizes or, or highlights some aspect of what the Lord has given to us through public revelation. So everything we've heard in the First Friday devotion or the First Saturday devotion 
we can point to some area of the Scripture where those devotions are highlighting what we're called to do as people of God. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. If you were looking for a reason to start, if you've never observed First Friday and First Saturday devotions, it's going to mold you into a better Christian. So who doesn't want to be a better Christian? Who doesn't want to grow closer to our Lord? That is what's before us. And just really quick, the work is simple. On Friday, go to Mass. Receive Holy Communion, which means be in a state of grace. If you need to get to confession, make sure you do that. And then pray in honor of the Sacred Heart. Pray in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart. Maybe do one of the ideas we've shared here today as an act of reparation. For Saturday devotions, very similar. Go to confession, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, pray the Rosary, meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the Rosary. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it does take your yes. You have to say yes to the work. Father, could you close our time together with a prayer? Yes, be happy to. Let us pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you. May he grant you his peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Here is our catechist question for you this morning. When we have the Feast of Pentecost coming up, how many readings are there in the Vigil of Pentecost? When you think about that, how many readings are there from the Old Testament specifically at the Vigil of Pentecost? And the answer is there are four. There are four Old Testament readings, Genesis 11, Exodus 19, Ezekiel 37, and Joel 3. Those are the uh, the ones. And then, of course, the responsorial psalms. You have the psalms in between. So really, and there's a lot of readings, uh, but we have the four from the Old Testament, each with its own accompanying psalm. So a lot of readings. And then you have the reading from Romans and the Gospel as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, so something, if you're looking to pray this Pentecost, you know, maybe go to the Vigil Mass. Uh, find, find an extended form of the Pentecost Vigil. We're going to get you in the Daily Dose of Encouragement, and I'll be back with you. This week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, Patty Schneier is sharing with us favorite titles of the Blessed Mother. Yesterday, we went to Germany. Patty, where are we going today? Well, today we're going to go to Our Lady of Akita in Japan. Again, I just think it's important for us to increase our knowledge of our Catholic faith. Many of us know about Lourdes and Fatima and Guadalupe, but do we know all of these other wonderful, wonderful apparitions that have been approved by the Vatican? These are ones that have been approved. So today we're going to talk about Our Lady of Akita. And this is the title of the Blessed Virgin Mary associated with the Marian apparitions that were reported in 1973. So this one's a lot more modern than what we talked about yesterday by Sister Agnes Sasagawa. And it was in the remote area of Akita, Japan. So Our Lady's messages emphasized, as always, they always do, prayer, especially recitation of the rosary, and penance. She always is talking about prayer and penance. A wooden statue representing the apparition is venerated by the faithful there in Japan. Now, here's what's interesting and what I had to learn about this statue. In December of 1973, a Japanese television station videotaped tears coming from the statue's eyes. The statue of Our Lady continued to weep at intervals for more than six years years. 
I'd never heard of this. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is amazing. In addition to the weeping statue, cures have been associated with Our Lady of Akita as well. Sister Agnes, the woman, the visionary who saw the apparition, she had been medically diagnosed with incurable, complete deafness. She could not hear. Her hearing was restored after the visions of Our Lady to her. Also, a Korean woman was cured of a terminal brain tumor in 1981 after praying to Our Lady of Akita for her intercession. So this cure was verified by medical professionals in South Korea, and it has been declared miraculous by the church. So local bishop there in Japan has also authorized the veneration of the Holy Mother of God, the Holy Mother of Akita. So what's the message for all of us? When I think of Our Lady appearing and this statue with tears for over six years, it made me realize that Our Lady weeps for her wayward children. She weeps for us in our suffering, and she weeps for the world. And so I just want to say, give Our Lady your tears today. What is it that makes you weep? And know that she's weeping with you, that we have a mother who can relate to our sorrows. And this was just one expression of it in this Our Lady of Akita in Japan. But know that she is with us always in our tears. So let's just pray. Our Lady of Akita, pray for us. Patty, Our Lady of Akita is one of the Marian apparitions of the past hundred years I often reflect upon and go back to, and it's one I'm glad you brought to our attention today here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. A few things for your radar screen in the not-too-distant future, but coming up in a few weeks, the National Shrine of Mary, Mother of the Church, We'll have Mass on Mother's Day, and uh, they're going to have a brunch afterwards from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. following that 8.30 a.m. Mass at St. Patrick Catholic Church out in Laurie, Missouri. Also, more immediate in the future here, this coming Friday, we have First Friday Devotions and the Sodality of the Sacred Heart here in St. Louis invite you for those father charlie archer will be offering holy mass and he will be the homilist as well there will be adoration reconciliation and benediction at 4 30 p.m mass at 5 30 p.m and then a dinner in social in the church lower level at 6 30 p.m with a reflection from 7 to 7 30 and uh, that will be you know it's always a joy to pray in community on the first Friday. Um, Also, if you could pray for here in St. Louis, we have some men that are going to be ordained to the transitional diaconate on Saturday, this coming Saturday, May 6th. So pray for them as they prepare for this next step in their journey, one where they are ordained to the diaconate and uh, they will be in service of the word and in service at the altar. So we thank them for responding generously to their calling We pray for them as they prepare for this coming Saturday, which reminds me, you know, it's good for us to pray not just for our seminarians, but for all who God is calling to the priesthood, that they would hear that call and respond generously. We're very grateful for our many, many priests um, and our seminarians who are the seminarians who are currently discerning, but all those who are saying yes 
to the Lord if he is calling them to the priesthood. And pray for your vocation as well today. Lord, how are you calling me to live my vocation today? It's a great prayer to pray each and every day. And then when you make that midday exam and that evening examination of conscience, that's a good time to check in and see, how did I do with living out my vocation today? Let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tomorrow on the show, we'll continue talking about Marian apparitions with Doug Barry. We're also going to reflect on Saints Philip and James, and uh, we've got more for you. So you'll have to tune in then. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Have a blessed day, and as the Blessed Mother wants you to do today, pray your rosary.